0: In recent years, the chip industry has exploded. You know, chips, the little pieces of tech that power all your electronic devices. Our colleague Asa Fitch says that by 2030, sales of chips are expected to hit more than a trillion dollars.
1: That's roughly doubling within a decade. So there's just an enormous market for chips going forward. Just everybody's living more digital lives. You know, everybody's living in the digital sphere more, whether that's you know, using VR headsets.
2: Introducing Apple Vision Pro.
1: There's artificial intelligence.
2: I am AI,
0: brought to life by NVIDIA.
1: Where whether it's just being on the internet more, we're interacting with smartphones and things like that.
2: Meet the Google Pixel 7 and Pixel 7 Pro. Smartphones built by Google
0: Designed around
2: you.
1: People predict that that sort of thing is only going to continue. People will demand more uh, performance out of their devices, and they'll, that is going to be driven by chips. So the demand for chips is just insatiable.
0: Right now, the U.S. relies mostly on foreign companies for these chips. But it wants to build up domestic chip manufacturing in case international conflicts choke off supply. And one of the companies the U.S. hopes will step up is Intel.
1: Intel is sort of indispensable to the U.S. Policymakers in the U.S. want a thriving domestic chip industry. And the only really viable domestic supplier of the most advanced chips is Intel. So the U.S. government and the U.S. military sort of needs Intel to succeed at this point.
0: For decades, Intel was considered a titan in the tech industry. It was one of the big companies that helped drive the wide use of personal computers. But in recent years, it's been struggling. Its CEO has even said that the company is in a, quote, mud hole.
1: It's behind a lot of its competition, and it's trying to catch up. It's pulling out all the stops.
0: Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Jessica Mendoza. It's Thursday, June 8th. Coming up on the show, the U.S. needs American chips. Can Intel deliver?
2: This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com/journal terms and conditions apply
0: when you think of intel what comes to mind
1: you think of CPUs central processing units in your computer many people think of Intel Inside still, you know, this marketing campaign they had years ago where a lot of the world's PCs were badged with Intel Inside.
2: The upgradable Intel 486 processor, power for today's hottest software.
0: Yeah, I think of that little like blue logo that they've had forever.
1: Exactly. I would say in the popular imagination, that's where they come up pretty much. And that's accurate. I mean, that's sort of an accurate reflection of what their bread and butter is. It's these, these chips that are at the heart of perhaps the computer that you're working on now.
0: Intel's chips were in almost every computer, and the company was helping push the modern tech revolution.
1: They were at the heart of the, the PC revolution. You know, in the 80s and 90s, PCs became essentially ubiquitous in many countries. And Intel's chips were at the heart of that. I mean, they were in the original IBM PC that essentially created the PC revolution. So that was just huge for the company. It became a tech titan. They were well in the lead on making the best chips in the world.
0: But then in the 2010s, things started to take a turn
1: they weren't able to advance in chip making as quickly as they thought they could. And that set them back a lot. There are a lot of delays in chip manufacturing advancements, especially in the latter half of the, the 2010s. And during that period, a couple of their rivals in Taiwan and South Korea caught up with them and surpassed them.
0: One of those rivals is the Taiwanese Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, also known as TSMC. The other is Samsung.
1: One way some people look at it is, you know, it's sort of a tortoise in the hare story. You know, Intel tried to jump out ahead and was unsuccessful, while its rivals were a bit slower and more methodical in the way they advanced in chipmaking and they ultimately caught up and surpassed Intel.
0: Historically, Intel is a company that designs and makes its own chips. But Samsung and TSMC manufacture chips for other companies like Apple or NVIDIA. This is called a foundry business.
1: Samsung and TSMC embraced a model where others could design the chips and they would manufacture them. So if you think about it, that opens you up to potentially a much larger market. Because if you're only making the chips that you design, you know, the people who are designing chips to be made by others aren't coming to you. So it kind of limited Intel's ability to grow in this new world where people were focusing more on contract chip manufacturing. In other words, manufacturing chips for others in their factories.
0: So now Intel is trying to play catch up and make chips on contract for other companies. But it's having trouble making that transition. Intel's such a household name and they've produced chips before. So like, why would that be a difficult thing for them?
1: They have produced chips before, but they haven't really done it for outsiders. And for them, that's like a big cultural problem. You know, they haven't been a service business in the past. And being a contract chip maker is a service business. So they're putting all their chips on the table, if you will. They're (laughs) going all in trying to, to get back into the lead, which they hope to do by the end of next year.
0: To get back ahead, Intel plans to overhaul its business model. And it'll potentially spend hundreds of billions of dollars to do that.
1: They're trying to catch up in the race to make the best chips. And that's a big effort. They are planning to vastly expand their manufacturing footprint. It's extraordinarily ambitious.
0: But some of its biggest potential clients aren't sure if Intel is up to the task. That's coming up.
2: This episode is brought to you by Canva. It's time to ditch your old presentation programs at work and try Canva presentations instead. It'll help you create stunning slides in no time. No design experience needed. Just start with one of the designer-made templates or generate something in seconds with AI. Then polish it up and get ready to wow your audience. It's that easy. Nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Design for work. Tap the banner to learn more.
0: Intel wants to better compete with its rivals to make chips for companies like Apple, Microsoft, and NVIDIA.
1: They have a goal of becoming the world's second-largest contract chip maker by 2030. And in order to do that, Intel really needs to attract the biggest customers of those contract chip manufacturers. The
0: architect of the plan to get there is Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger. Here he is on
1: Bloomberg. Every aspect of your lives is becoming more digital. Everything digital runs on semiconductors. We need this for our economy. We need it for our supply chains. We need it for our national security. And Intel is really the company that can step into this. We've said decisively. So, Pat Gelsinger, at the age of 18, got a job at Intel and he moved over to California to work there and he became a leading chip designer there, leading chip engineer at Intel.
0: Gelsinger worked at Intel for 30 years and became its first chief technology officer. He also designed a processor that became one of the company's most successful products. Gelsinger left Intel for about a decade. And then in 2021, he returned to run the company.
1: You know, he's kind of a link to Intel's successful past. He was there at a time... When Intel was just such a roaring success and couldn't seem to miss a beat. And, you know, he's kind of a representative of an earlier era when Intel was always on top. And so people kind of see him, I think, as the return of the old guard at Intel, uh, the return of a successful era for the company.
0: Gelsinger's reputation is crucial to getting Intel back on top. His goals include making the most advanced processors in the world within the next couple of years. And doing that means spending a lot of money.
1: We're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars if all of these things that he wants to do are fully built out. I mean, that's a big if, right? Because they're tailoring the the build-outs of some of these factories to demand for chips.
0: Right now, Intel has plans to build a facility in Ohio that could cost as much as $100 billion, another of a similar scale in Arizona, and potentially a factory in Europe but its ambitions are sometimes running up against hard economic realities. Even though the long-term outlook for chips is strong, there's currently an oversupply in the market. And that's cutting into industry profits. In April, Intel posted the worst quarterly loss in its history.
1: The market for PCs has really fallen off a cliff in the past uh, year or so, and that has really depressed their situation financially at a time when they're trying to grow in this dramatic way. I mean, the company has cut its dividend recently. It's tried to slash costs and do other things to free up cash and, and spend money on this turnaround. I mean, Intel has been laying people off. They've promised investors that they're going to cut costs up to $10 billion by the end of 2025. So, wow. yeah. So this is a company that's trying to change itself around at a time when it doesn't have a lot of money to do it.
0: Intel has already had to slow down its plans. The company held off installing expensive chip-making equipment in some of its factories. It also scrapped two big projects, a $200 million research center in Israel and a $700 million lab planned in Oregon. And that's just part of the company's problem.
1: You know, they've got to be able to find customers who are willing to manufacture chips in their factories. They've got to be able to book some of the biggest customers of contract chip makers in the world, the likes of Apple and Nvidia. They have a smattering of customers, but it's not like the biggest, most important customers in the in the foundry business or in the contract chip making business.
0: Yeah, it's not the companies that would change the game for
1: them. Right, exactly.
0: In the 2 years since Intel has tried to focus on making chips for other companies, it's only had two major customers. According to ACE's reporting, Intel has tried to land clients like Qualcomm, a big tech company. But those efforts haven't gone very well so far.
1: Qualcomm is perhaps a good example. You know, they wanted to manufacture chips with Intel, and they engaged with Intel for a long time trying to do that. But toward the end of last year, they stepped away from that. They put that project on pause because Intel was was not meeting their performance targets for these kinds of chips. So those are the kinds of struggles that they've been facing so far. The point is, like, there are numerous customers who have engaged with Intel's foundry business, but then stepped away for various reasons.
0: According to Ace's reporting, Tesla also took a pass on Intel because it couldn't provide what the car maker needed. Gelsinger declined to comment on Intel's relationship with either Qualcomm or Tesla. One bright spot for Intel? The U.S. government is trying to grow the domestic chip industry. And it's opened up funding to make it happen, mainly through the so-called CHIPS Act.
1: The CHIPS Act was a piece of legislation that was passed last year and signed into law last summer by President Biden that allocates around $53 billion for the growth of the domestic chip industry. This program includes billions of dollars of grants for new chip projects in the U.S., so Intel is hoping to defray some of the costs of its big investments by getting these grants from the government, essentially. It's applied for these grants, and they're not expected to be awarded until perhaps next year. But that's one way in which the company could try to like expand when its core business is, is in some sort of trouble and it's trying to cut costs. The Department of Defense really wants a thriving U.S. chip industry because They want to be able to source the most advanced chips in the world from a domestic supplier. A lot is riding on this plan working out.
0: So there are big plans and a lot of moving parts. Is Intel up to the task?
1: Well, that's sort of the big question that that hangs over the company right now. The strategy that they've laid out is the type of corporate strategy where If it succeeds, it's probably going to succeed in spectacular fashion. If it fails, it's probably going to fail in spectacular fashion. It's one of these things where they've just pulled out all the stops and they're rushing forward to make it work. So they're doing absolutely everything they can to reinvigorate themselves.
0: That's all for today, Thursday, June 8th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.